Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm your host, Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. Well, today's show is top of mind for all of us, and it's all about how to mobilize, manage, and scale vaccine administration. And to do that, we're going to be talking with our chief medical officer, Dr. Ashvini Zanuz, who was most recently the chief medical officer of the Department of Veterans Affairs. So some great perspective there. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ash. Great to be here. Wonderful. And we're also joined by Salesforce SVP of Product Growth and GM of the Vaccine Cloud, Meredith Flynn Ripley. Welcome, Meredith. Thank you, Michael. Happy to be here. Well, Dr. Ash, let's start with you. Like so many companies, Salesforce has jumped in to help during the pandemic. What's Salesforce's role been in responding to COVID-19 since March 2020? Can you give us an overview? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I have to say we jumped in very early on in the pandemic and got going. And we didn't start on the technology front. We started hearing from many of the frontline workers that they didn't have enough uh, personal protective equipment, masks, gowns, etc. So we internally mobilized an effort to go out and procure PPE and brought in 60 million pieces of PPE and distributed it to frontline workers. And that was very early I want to say back in March of last year, like you called out. But since then, we've really done a lot to play our part to help with this pandemic. Initially, we uh, released, I think in May of last year, technology capabilities to help folks get back to work. And that was around uh, something called work.com. And it had everything from um, a command center to emergency response management tools to contact tracing, everything that was required as companies were looking to have their employees back in the workplace. And as that went on, you know, we started adding more capabilities. I'm sure Meredith can add a lot more to this around vaccine capabilities, but it became fairly obvious uh, as vaccine rollout started that we really needed to dedicate an entire cloud around this because, you know, we are able to like provide an end-to-end tool and hence came out vaccine cloud in January of this year, really uh, with like I said, end-to-end capabilities with uh, uh, logistics and scheduling of patients, callback of patients, surveys and reporting tools, et cetera. And in January, we released Vaccine Cloud. Wonderful. And, you know, just to follow up on that, as you know, with your history in the medical field and your sort of relationships, what were people talking about? Well, you know, it's interesting because you would think that CRM is unrelated really to what was needed in the pandemic. But for those of us, I come from a public health background. I was in government during some previous natural disasters. And I can tell you, you know, the first thing that many of us were talking about is how we lack the command center, how we lack the capability of really looking at all these different sources of data on a single pane. And how we lack the ability to have all of these tools at our fingertips so we can make quick decisions, right, and collaborate with each other. And for those of us in companies like Salesforce, it makes it so obvious to say, of course, we have the capabilities. This is not a technology problem. Let's get this out there. Let's help. We have really agile platform that we can really take and make it available to all different industries. And we've seen that throughout the you know last 20 plus years in this company. So why not for uh, helping with the pandemic? And so I think there was a lot of excitement for those of us who come from uh, the healthcare world to see that these capabilities were so relevant. Everything from, like I said, a command center to triaging tools using chatbots. We had so much influx of volume into these call centers with people asking questions. And our frontline providers weren't used to taking all these calls. Do I have COVID? Who do I go see? Right? Like we technology could triage all of these things and 
provide uh, the ability to reduce the load on the few workers that were on the front lines at that time. So we saw a lot of capacity and capability where we could quickly come in and help provide the technology to help accelerate these types of changes. Yeah, that's great. And you know that led to Work.com and Vaccine Cloud, Meredith, the product that you're leading as part of Work.com. Tell me a little bit about how that came about. We weren't even thinking about this product before the pandemic. Just give me a little bit of the history on that. Sure. And I was involved from the very beginning when our customers were reaching out in March, really, to say we're seeing things. First, it was some hospitals and healthcare providers, but then it turned into basically many of our customers across all sectors were saying, how do I communicate to my employees? How do I communicate to my customers? And so Salesforce launched what we called Salesforce Care, which was free products. These were help desks, contact centers, as Dr. Ash was referencing, uh, filled with automation and bots to handle the overload, right? In many cases, contact centers were shut down because the staff was no longer able to go into the contact center and phone systems were shut down. So this is where the automation of our platform really kicked into high gear. So um, a product team of folks that had never even heard the word contact tracing just listened to what our customers were saying their needs were and literally developed that application in a matter of six weeks. And so it's really the Salesforce focus on customers and customer success that we've continued throughout the year, Michael. So as the needs and, and the impact of COVID has hit our customers across all of our sectors, public sector, healthcare, and private sector, you know, we're listening to their needs. And that's when Vaccine Cloud came into play because obviously it moved from just protecting my employees um, and my citizens with contact tracing to how do I get them vaccinated? And so today that's a robust platform that's really filled with these composable modules because it is ultimately a solution that, that needs to be customized to each customer's need. So it allows you to do that campaign and communications capability. It allows you to do the inventory management. It allows you to do the actual appointment scheduling and the outcome monitoring, but it's really take the pieces that you need. And so we're continuing to see that evolve, by the way. Vaccine Cloud is now moving from enabling those vaccines in the arms to now how do I engage with my customers in a world where some people are vaccinated and some people aren't vaccinated? My office space and my business organization has been profoundly changed by COVID. How do I create and run this new operating model? How do I interact with my employees because it is a world where the vaccination process is going to continue. This is unfortunately not going to go away. We're worried about our first and second vaccinations, but this is going to be an ongoing basis. I, you know, Dr. Ash can certainly talk to the, the longevity and all of the services around the basic vaccinations and then overlay that with how you run your business and how you engage with your customers. And thinking about this conversation, you know, my mind was on hey, let's deploy this vaccine. How can the product help do that? But as you think about it, there's a whole unknown future out there of how these health issues are going to impact customers and employees. Dr. Ash, how should companies be thinking about this? Yeah, uh, so look, I think if you had asked me this question just a few months ago, I would have said, you know, we're unclear, at least in this country, you know, how long it's going to take to get to herd immunity. I think it was very positive with how quickly our scientists were able to bring the vaccines to uh, market and get them approved. 
But at the end of the day, you know, we have a thing in public health that we say, you know, it's not the vaccines, it's the vaccinations that matter. Mm-hmm. That last mile really is what matters to get us to herd immunity, right? But we're at a very different place today. We are doing two and a half million vaccinations per day right now. And that's like incredible how fast we're going. And we've heard now that uh, we're going to have enough vaccines on the market in May to have, you know, any adult that's willing and able to get it, it's going to be available to them. So I think that's all really good news. So in my mind, I think we're moving towards our target of getting people who want to be vaccinated, vaccinated, and hopefully that's uh, reaching herd immunity. So I think there's like light at the end of the tunnel. But at the same time, I think we've got to like keep a couple of things in mind. You know, number one, I would say, you know, there are those people who don't want to be vaccinated or don't understand or have questions about vaccinations. I know we always call out the communities of color because we know black and brown communities are impacted uh, more than other communities. But it's not just the uh, these communities that are hesitant. I think there are a lot of communities outside of this population that really don't have enough information uh, or don't have means to get the vaccines or living in smaller communities where they haven't had access to understand what's happening out there. So I think if we're going to get to herd immunity, you know, beyond our uh, well-to-do larger cities, we need to, one, take action on education um, and being transparent and out there. And I think technology has a big role to play here on how we could help facilitate this. Mm-hmm. We need to ensure that there's equity, right? That we're not just putting up these pop-up tents in these big cities where people can walk in or people in creating haves and have-nots. We need to ensure that, you know, we are making this available to rural areas, to areas where, you know, the Amish community, uh, where they're not interacting with the general population, to long-term nursing facilities where people are bed-bound. I think there are lots of different types of communities that you know, we need to ensure that they are getting vaccines equitably. So I think there's a big push for that. And again, I think there is big role for government and public and private organizations to play here as we think through logistics and supply chain and mobilization of getting these vaccines into arms. Mm-hmm. So I think that's you know number two is around health equity. Uh, and number three, I think there are long-term mental health impacts from what's occurred, both for like the folks who've been on the front lines and for people who are knowledge workers who've suddenly had to like have full-time working from home. And I think there's a lot of flexibility there, and I think that's great. But there are many people who are you know, in these work environments in small spaces where they're working with other members of their family who are also working in the same room or that have to homeschool their children, right? Like they have to take care of their parents. And I think there's a lot of stress that's been added because of this. And these types of impacts we know last more than just the pandemic, sometimes go on into like two, three years post pandemic. So I think as organizations uh, look to the future, we need to start thinking about employee health, employee benefits. How do we think beyond the physical space? How do we think about mental health of employees? What kinds of things are we going to do to provide uh, and engage our communities uh, and our employees so that, you know, people don't feel lonely and uh, secluded by themselves during this time? And I think those are all things that we need to address. Mm -hmm. But having said all that, I see light at the end of the tunnel. I think, you know, we are heading towards our new future. And I think there's like the future is bright in my mind, at least for me, who has been advocating for digital transformation for I don't know, a decade uh, in the healthcare and life sciences space and the public sector space. I've seen this rocket boosted by seven to eight years. And, you know, this is not just a nice to have, it's a must have. And 
it's not just our health industry that's talking about it. You know, every company is talking about it. Every educational organization, nonprofit wants to get involved and engaged because I think mm-hmm. they see the longer term social and economic repercussions of not being engaged. So at least for me, being at the intersection of health and technology, I'm super excited because I think that the future is bright. We're going to have a completely transformed workforce. And, you know, as Mark likes to say, the future of work for many of us will likely be in the cloud. And that mm-hmm. to me is super exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm curious as this transformation happens and you've got a whole group of people that are quickly getting vaccinated and then those who may not be for some of the reasons that you talked about. How do you address that? Thinking about that from your public health background, what are some of those communications? What are some of those tools? How can digital impact that? And how can we think about that as we build products and communicate with our customers about these questions? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think, you know, we do a lot in terms of bringing out doctors to go on media to talk about these things. And we give a lot of information to our frontline providers to talk to people about vaccines. But you know what? I think from what I've seen, most people don't get all of this information from just their doctors. They go to their trusted advisors. And those can be their pastors, their barbershop conversations, or other types of advisors in the community, community advisors. And I think it's really important as we're thinking about uh, equity and disparities that we get these tools out to people beyond the healthcare systems. And I think that's exactly what we're doing. We're bringing readily accessible, up-to-date information through technology to these folks, right? So that they have their this uh, information about these vaccines at their fingertips mm-hmm. so that they can educate their communities. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Two, I think it's really important, and I'm seeing that now, governments need to work together and they need to be transparent about what's going on. So if there's an adverse reaction or if there's a concern, I think we need to openly communicate that and talk about how we're working through that. And when governments do that and they have a task force and they're out there and publicly communicating, I think people tend to trust what's happening and you're more likely to get buy-in to whatever it is you're trying to do. I mean, this is simple change management 101. Transparent, open communication is key to success in these types of initiatives. So I think that's you know really, really important um, in these types mm-hmm. of initiatives. And I think when you think about that building trust as... Really, it is at the heart of this conversation too. Meredith, when you're thinking about how companies are going to be using the product for with employees and with customers and building the trust to share that information and to use that information in different ways, how are you thinking about this and how is the product being developed to address that? So many of the points that Dr. Ash talked about, we have corresponding technology that's native in our platform that we can unlock. So the communications aspect, is really coming through with personalized journeys and campaign. This is an ongoing communication program. And our platform does that for every topic now for a very important one around vaccinations. We have a lot of mobile technology. So we have several customers that are using our platform to schedule nurses to go into the elderly home and deliver the vaccinations right in the home. Again, you know, bringing the vaccinations to people as opposed to expecting them to be able to come. So that is a big part of equity. And we're looking at using our platform and the mobile aspects of our platform to expand that beyond the elderly to the underrepresented minorities and countries globally that are hesitant around the vaccination. You know, I think that it's really important to think about the emerging conversation that's happening right now, which is 
what am I going to do when it comes to my employees? How am I going to prepare? Do I need to know their vaccination status or not? And I think it's really interesting to see it's it's going to be an ongoing dialogue, but we certainly see that for for customer-facing employees, if you're a company that has customer-facing employees, customers are already asking that I want the people visiting my premise to be vaccinated. And so you're seeing that need that I think private sector is looking at a little hesitantly, but realizing this is going to be the new normal. This is how they operate their businesses. And they have a new type of customer engagement that they need to plan for. And of course, that's the heart of what Salesforce does. And so we can put those tools and let them modify them to meet their particular customer needs. And then certainly, you know, a big contact center aspect is going to be coming with the digital passports. I need to be able to go to my state and get my validation credentials that I've been vaccinated. So this is opening up a whole new type of interactions around the digital passport, the identities. And one of the questions on the table is, will we be like what's happening in Israel, where when you're booking a restaurant and you're showing up at the restaurant, you're pulling out your digital credential to show that you've been vaccinated or not. And this is where the Salesforce engagement layer is going to be critical to put that into every business from travel, transportation, hospitality to financial services. And this gets to this growing reach of what vaccine cloud is emerging to deliver on beyond enabling vaccination distribution. Meredith, can you give us some examples of companies on the cutting edge of deploying this technology? Sure. So in many cases, this is just augmenting their current platform usage and we're delivering basically prepackaged automation components so that they can hit the ground running. And so one common use case is I'm going to ask my employee to let me know if they've been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And so they'll upload a picture of their vaccination card to a portal and our Einstein automation will scan that Mm -hmm. and will correlate that, yes, it's Meredith's picture and information on that card. And then will flag me as an employee who's been vaccinated. And then I'll be scheduled to go to that customer site. I'll be scheduled in a different way from an unvaccinated employee. That's happening today. Mm -hmm. And that's happening across many companies that have a workforce that is going to customer premises. So, you know, a very easy, but prepackaged, it's it's really just using the automation that's native in the Salesforce platform in a way to run their business and inform a better scheduling of employees. Mm-hmm. So that's an easy and very common question. We have other customers that are asking us if an employee is sick, you know, even if they've been vaccinated, what do we do? You know, and that's where the contact tracing would kick in and you need to treat, we have a full suite of products and I think our contact tracing is protecting over 600 million people right now collectively. And so this is where, you know, we have all those tools that would then not allow the employee to go into the office, you know, if they've attested that they're not feeling well, and then the contact tracing support, you know, what is the employer going to do for that employee or what is the state going to do for that citizen to support them Mm -hmm. if they're actually sick? Because people are still getting COVID right now as well. I think it's something that, you know, people want to forget about, but you have to correlate testing as well. You know, airlines, we're working with many airlines right now, Mm-hmm. That um, in order to issue a boarding pass, mm-hmm. you need to have proof of your testing status. Now, in the future, it may include the vaccination status, but 
the systems will support that as just another field to validate before they issue that boarding pass. So, it, you know, and when, when we had customers like Live Nation publicly talk about how they're going to be having events where only right. vaccinated people will be able to come to that event. How do you manage that event? Right. So it, it's this whole new normal of returning back to normal mm-hmm. and doing it in the most seamless and frictionless way, but keeping people safe ultimately. Just to add to that, those are all such good points. I just want to add and say to what Meredith said, which I think is so important. There is going to come a time where countries are going to mandate that people have to show proof of vaccination or negative testing or organizations like Live Nation, et cetera, will mandate that you need to be vaccinated to come on premises. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to employers, I think there are going to be countries or places where they're going to leave it up to the employer to decide. And, uh, you know, some employers may decide that you have to be vaccinated to come on site, while others, you know, may not be able to do that for everybody. I mean, there are people who will have allergies to vaccines that are unable to get it. Mm -hmm. There are people that don't want to get it for, you know, religious reasons, et cetera. We see these with flu and other types of vaccines, right? So you're going to have like some exclusion criteria for people who can't get a vaccine. And so are you going to create an environment where they're not allowed and create a divide because of people who can and cannot get the vaccines, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not even people that are choosing not to. There are other reasons why people may not be able to get vaccines. So I think, you know, to what Meredith said, I don't think we're going to just vaccinate people and move on and move away from uh, testing and tracing. Testing and tracing combined with vaccination passports are in our future together. I think they're going to live together for a long time. There are going to be times that you're going to have to bring people together in person onto whether it's employee sites or other types of you know venues. And you're going to need to test people to ensure that you know, they are COVID negative and they can interact with people who have been vaccinated. And there are lots of strains out there without having herd immunity. So you might even need to test people who have been vaccinated because mm-hmm. they're newer strains. So I think we're going to live in this kind of middle ground for a while, which is why these types of technology tools that can interact and are interoperable and can share data is really, really important so that we can return to some semblance of like life and new normal and hopefully a better version of it so that we're not all continued to be stuck at home or working, living away from visiting our families at home. It's really important for our economy to get back that we have these types of tools. And I would add to Dr. Ash's point that a big part of our product development process includes our office of ethical use. uh, And it's such an important piece to everything that we're doing to make sure that we are approaching this with an equitable and equity mindset even from product features to talking with our customers in certain sectors where we want to make sure they're aware of where it could be creating, you know, a bifurcated world of have and have nots, which is not the intent at all, right? We want to bring the world back to a good new normal. (laughs) And we'll do that by really providing all of our customers and all of their employees and their customers and partners with the right applications to help. Yeah, this does create so many ethical decisions for business owners, but also public agencies. And Dr. Ash, I'd love to talk a little bit about some of the public-private partnerships that we have going on out there right now and uh, and what you're seeing in the future of how the public and the private sector are going to work together around this issue. Absolutely. Like I said before, I think you know we're dealing with the largest mass vaccination campaign in the history of this country, possibly the world. We're dealing with the novel virus. We cannot work in silos. And I think that became really evident 
when we released work.com, we saw that there was rapid uptake by public organizations. But you know, now with Vaccine Cloud, we've seen not only public, but private organizations, nonprofits, education institutions all coming together. Because I think we see that, you know, you need collaboration and um, groups working together to really get ahead and move past this pandemic. I know for the Vaccine Cloud, we have currently at least 150 global customers um, from the federal, state, local level, including private uh, organizations. You know, I'm really proud. I'll give you a couple of examples. I'm really always proud to call out the Global Alliance for Vaccines, Gavi. Mm -hmm. We talk about healthcare equity. I think Gavi is a great template of how we should be doing the stuff for the future. They brought 190 countries together with a goal of distributing 2 billion vaccines equitably by the end of this year. And these are like not just the rich countries. These are rich countries and countries that were not able to afford the vaccines, Mm -hmm. brought them together to collaborate. And Gavi's been a customer of Salesforce for years now. So they reached out and you know asked us, like, how could we help? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm so proud because we are providing pro bono services to build their country engagement platform so that you know the uh, 190 countries can collaborate around what's needed. And we are providing the technology behind the uh, the collaboration and enabling equitable distribution to 190 countries. So that's an example of what our platform's doing at a nonprofit global level, but lots of other examples and lots of use cases, which kind of calls out the agility of this platform. Here in the state of California, our governor is using it for my turn, which is a pre-registration tool that can alert the residents of when they're eligible for the vaccine and schedule them to receive it. I know in uh, Lake County in Illinois, they're using Salesforce to power their all-vax system so they can streamline the logistical pieces of the vaccination process. In Asia Pacific, we are supporting lots of different countries uh, with uh, various use cases around this pandemic. Everybody from different parts of Australia, Victoria, New Zealand governments, they're using our technology to support manual contact tracing efforts as well as looking at how to use these into um, the pandemic response with vaccine management. So lots of customers coming together, finding utility in both Work.com and Vaccine Cloud. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Meredith talked about this a little bit. You know, we as a company are also collaborating with other organizations through the Vaccine Credential Initiative. I'm pretty sure you all know, but it's not easy to share health data uh, in the current climate and never, it's never been easy. So for me to share my vaccine status, it's not easy. I have to print it out. I have to show it at the airport. But the Vaccine Credential Initiative is bringing large companies like Salesforce and provider organizations to come together and agree on standards, to set standards. And we're taking a leadership role in this to say, mm-hmm. how can we support this? Because we want to support the interoperability and the interoperable efforts to share this. And so I think you know these are all the different types of initiatives, and both with customers and in partnerships. We're collaborating and taking a leading stance. It makes me think about that issue around health data and how difficult that's been, and that that's slowed down, you know, innovation in that space. And as you said earlier in the conversation, we've seen this rapid growth as we have across all digital transformation. What do you see as the big things that are going to change in terms of health data, how it's managed, how we can be more like the private sector, I guess, other areas of the private sector in terms of how that data is shared and how we can use it to learn and to grow? You know, it's interesting because I've been watching the transformation of other industries for a long time. And I'll be honest with you, I've been a little bit jealous of how quickly things have been moving in the financial services industry or the retail industry, 
manufacturing industry, but re, you know, healthcare life sentence has always sort of lagged behind and definitely public sector has lagged behind from a healthcare perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think the one silver lining of this pandemic is that it's really accelerated, like I said, the need to change this. And I think it's here to stay. Uh, we've seen everything from uh, rapid use of telehealth to provide access to people, to people have care and they don't have to drive 30 miles to their doctor's office and sit in the offices for I don't know, an hour of wait time, you have readily accessed telehealth. And I think we've had massive use of that. Will it stay at that level? I don't think so, but I think it's going to continue. We're now using chatbots. Uh, that may be trivial in other industries, but it's not in the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. We're using all these technology tools to provide care at home. We're talking about taking care of really sick people in their own environment instead of putting them at risk inside of a hospital, right, where you have exposure to all sorts of germs. I think these are all things that, you know, when you take a step back, we've seen it being called the Amazonification of like healthcare because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in Amazon, you know, you can order your shoes, your toothpaste, your toilet paper, it shows up at your door the same day or next day. You can order food and it shows up at your door within 20 minutes, but Mm -hmm. you don't have the same level of access as a consumer to healthcare. You don't have the same level of, you know, price transparency as a healthcare consumer. You don't have the ability to participate in clinical trials if you're sick. I think all of that is going to change for our industry. And I think it's going to change for other industries too. But I think we're going to see rapid change in healthcare and and life sciences from this pandemic. Really, really exciting. That (laughs) That is exciting. Yes. Thank you for paying It's exciting for all of us as consumers, I think. It is. I think so many of us just sort of accepted that, well, this is the way it is in healthcare and, and, you know, it's not going to change. No longer. Right. And to, you know, just to hear that list that you were talking about of, of, of these new things that have come along, it, it really is transformative. I mean, can you imagine being able to text your doctor and get a response back when you have a question in mind? That should be possible. Why not? Right. Right. Consumer choice is also going to drive this too, where, you know, it's not going to be acceptable to have the kind of experiences we have that I think we've all had it, trying to get responses from doctors, trying to make appointments, you know, basic kind of stuff. And what do you see for outcomes? I mean, do you think this is going to lead to, uh, you know, we had seen that first dip in life expectancy before, even before the pandemic, you know, in the United States and poor outcomes around health. Do you see this leading to getting that number back moving in the right direction? I'm very hopeful. I mean, what we know is when people are more engaged in their own healthcare, have access to data, and they feel that they have ownership over uh, their healthcare decisions and they're more engaged, that they tend to also follow along on their therapy and treatments, and Mm -hmm. uh, those tend to have better outcomes as a result. So we know that. I think for a little while, we could expect some fragmentation because it's not just the healthcare organizations that are transforming. It's also other types of organizations that are coming to healthcare to transform it. Everybody from Amazon bringing telehealth to our industry to the likes of retailers that are bringing uh, clinics you know, around the corner. I think all of those are great from an access perspective, but we have to kind of pay attention to see what does this mean from you know me as a consumer? Will I have all of my records in one place? Is anybody looking at me as a whole person or am I going to have these singular experiences and no one's going to look at each of these experiences as a whole and put it together, right? And I think this is where, again, I keep coming back to technology. If technology can provide a longitudinal record, can provide the analytics tools, can provide all of that data in one place, 
I think we have a better chance of uh, better outcomes because you have data at the point of care. But I think, you know, we have to pay close attention to make sure that it's actually heading in that direction. And mm-hmm. this isn't going to go down a path of, you know, who can get the most out of the consumer uh, in terms of healthcare. So right. I'm hopeful. Great. So to wrap up, I'd love to take a little look into the future that we've been doing a little bit and continue with that. Dr. Ash, as a chief medical officer, which is kind of a new role in a lot of companies, and I think a lot of companies are probably thinking about this maybe for the first time, how should someone in that role be thinking about this for their company? What are the issues they should be thinking about? I think vaccinations are only the beginning. Whether you're a chief medical officer or a benefits officer, or you have an advisor in-house to think about these things, mm-hmm. I think having an understanding of the uh, quickly evolving landscape is really, really important. Having a thorough understanding, because you've got strains popping up all over the place. I think understanding how to use all of these tools is really important uh, so that you're providing a safe and secure environment. If you're bringing back, especially if you're bringing back people into a physical environment, because those people are interacting and going back into communities. So you want to ensure that you're not adding to the spread of the disease and, you know, slowing down progress. So I think uh, anybody in this type of role needs to be thinking about, you know, what is the newest data out there? What is the newest technology that's going to help me keep all of this data, you know, data together? What are the types of like technology and tools like Vaccine Cloud and Work.com that are going to help me manage these things in a way that's safe and effective? Mm-hmm. And I think beyond that, what does the future of work look like? Mm-hmm. What is the type of environment we need to provide to our employees? Does it have to be a nine to five workday in a physical workspace? Or do I have the capability to be more creative, to allow more flexibility, mm-hmm. to allow for people to live and work in an environment that's not stressful? So I think there's a lot to come. And I think along with that goes everything around you know, what are the types of benefits and insurance that you're providing to your employees and how are you thinking about that? So mm-hmm. lots of exciting stuff to think about beyond just cutting costs and uh, keeping people safe. So mm-hmm. Great. And Meredith, now that managing vaccines and overall health is such a critical part of customer experience and employee experience, where are you taking the vaccine cloud product right now? What's the trajectory of, of what we should be thinking about? Well, I think it's exactly what Dr. Ash was referencing, which is this is the future of work. This is working from anywhere. This is being successful from anywhere. And so it really is extending the core businesses of Salesforce into the next generation of digital transformation. And it's interesting because, you know, healthcare was certainly lagging, but all industries have accelerated their digital transformation initiatives in response to COVID. And so it is the silver lining in all of this in that that choice, that automation, that frictionless experiences, those are all becoming part of mainstream business in a way that was never happening before. And, you know, that is the silver lining here. I think this is going to unlock even more opportunities for businesses to engage with their customers, to generate more business, to create more meaningful relationships with their employees. And I think from a technology standpoint, it really is turning into a system of experiences, right? We're moving into a new era of personalizing our communications, creating journeys, be it on whatever path you're on, a sales path, a marketing path, a a healthcare path. So I, I think it's a really exciting time to be in product because of all the digital transformation that's happening and the appetite for more. I think this has created a world where Everyone is willing to experiment and test 
and try out a new way of thinking. So it's as though the whole world has turned entrepreneurial. And that's the very exciting place that we're in today. The world is now open to the power of the platform, making things happen faster. So it was always inherent in Salesforce, but COVID has unlocked this opportunity for us to really showcase the power of the platform and deliver products much more quickly than ever before. So I don't think it's, I don't look at this as outside of where we've been. It's just been able to accelerate our own innovation and our own entrepreneurial processes. And that's, that's super exciting. What's really interesting, I think to your point, Meredith, is that the tools were there, the ability to go fast has been there, but we needed this kind of, you know, inciting incident to bring people together. It's, it's the organizational process and the ability for everybody to come together to work on this one thing. And part of the question for me is, and it really, as we were talking about how companies are going to be doing contact tracing, how they're going to be looking at so many of these different opportunities, is that going to go away, you know, in a few years when people are going to want to put this behind them and they're not going to think about it as much? Do we see it as a permanent change, both from how companies are going to operate to the pace of transformation, et cetera. That's something that I've been thinking. Is this just really a, a, a blip or a small period in time? Well, I would say that today the wellness of your employees is top of mind in a way that's never been before. Mm-hmm. It's been about health and safety, mm-hmm. and that's never going to go away. It's just going to evolve into more of a deeper relationship between companies and their employees that is around wellness, Mm -hmm. that is around your mental, a a full picture of an employee and how they are part of the organization. And that's not going to change. I think eventually we're going to move to a world where the vaccinations, and we're saying two years out, three years out, aren't going to become as top of mind. Um, But the wellness aspect is going to remain because that's just going to make it a better experience for everyone. You'll have better employees, you'll have better customers, you'll have a healthier organization. I mean, I think that Salesforce has always been around doing good and being a platform for change. And this is a platform for change within an employee uh, relationship world, mm-hmm. which I think is the exciting piece of, of employee experience that, that has changed fundamentally. Mm-hmm. And we've been leading the conversations around not just shareholder capitalism, but stakeholder capitalism for companies. And this is a broader umbrella of it. And part of this pandemic has shown how important that is. And those companies that invest in their employees, that are caring for their employees, everything from like providing information to uh, providing a safe environment during this time, you're going to have loyalty from your employees during this time. You know, whether they remain your employees or not doesn't matter. They're going to remain loyal to the company because they're going to see what the organizations have done for them. And I think that's a big part of retention and, you know, your place in the world. And those that don't, I personally think that the ones that are going to survive are the ones that have taken leadership roles and have really put in to employee health and happiness here during this time. And those that haven't are going to have uh, consequences. I would add. 2020 was a test for so many people in so many different ways. And it was a big one for companies. How are they thinking about their employees? How are they thinking about their total well-being? And I think that the ramifications of that are long-term. Loyalty, the retention, and the impact on, on the business. And so the lesson learned is one that is 
going to turn the employees into a, a big part of, uh, of an employer's operating system. And it's, it's a fundamental redesign of an operating system for every business today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've all had to look inward uh, during this time, both personally and then thinking about the company as an entity has had to look inside and say, okay, how are we going to deal with this? So it's exciting to think about how we can use Salesforce, use the platform, use technology to help drive this change, uh, both you know, across uh, in, in vaccine distribution all the way to health and wellness. So thank you both so much for the conversation today. Thank you. Thank you. That was Salesforce's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Ashvini Zanuz, and Meredith Flynn Ripley, Senior Vice President of Product Growth and GM of Vaccine Cloud at Salesforce. To learn more about the Vaccine Cloud and how to reopen safely, go to work.com. I'm Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. Thanks for listening.